Welcome to Out of the Ordinary, the show that helps you grow a daily life that matters. I'm Lisa Jo Baker. And I'm Christy Purifoy. And this week, Lisa Jo offered me the highest compliment and the greatest gift by insisting she really wanted the behind-the-scenes tour of my latest creative project. It's true. I am all about the director's cut and the deep dive commentary. And so when it comes to either favorite movies or in this case, a personal behind the scenes from my favorite gardener and writer. Seriously, it was like the best kind of fun. You guys get comfy, friends. Here we go. Well, Lisa Joe, you and I were just looking at our calendar. Listeners, we always <laughs> we always do that. We kind of sit down, we look at the calendar, we make sure we understand exactly when you will be hearing these conversations. So, of course, we just realized that Mother's Day is not too far off. And so it reminded me, Lisa Joe, that one of my favorite, no, maybe the favorite moment of releasing my recent book, Into the World, um, was a post that my mom shared with me. Apparently, one of her best friends got the book, opened up to the first, it's like the third page, and saw my dedication of the book to my mom. And she took a picture of it, and then she shared about it, and she shared how it brought her to tears. And in this little um, social media post, she, like, I don't even know her. I don't, yeah, I don't know her. She was saying, well done, Christy, well done. And I was crying. And it was so funny because, of course, this dedication is between me and my mom, but somehow having my mom's friend be touched by it and want to share the emotion of it. It just made it feel more, I I sort of realized again, oh, I wrote a book and I dedicated it to my mom and I did it for a reason because growing up, my mom was not the gardener, but she really was in the just the best, most beautiful sense of the word, a homemaker. She really brought our home to life. And she often did that by sending me out into the garden to cut flowers (laughs) for our table that my dad had grown. And so I think that was probably the sweetest moment of this experience is just having my mom's friends sort of give back to me like, oh, this this is meaningful. Pay attention to this. Don't just zoom by this um, in the busyness of, you know, all the book launch tasks. Oh, I love that. And I think I really love now that your first book was dedicated to your dad, your first garden book, and your second one to your mom. So clearly the third one will be, wait, was the first one to John? Which one was to Actually, John? Yeah, now I'm think. suddenly so I, confused. Good question. I dedicated Placemaker to my dad. Oh, okay. That was for okay. my dad. Yeah, that's yeah. right. And the and first then, garden book was for John. The second one was right. for your mom. So clearly the third one will be for me. I'm so excited. <laughs> I you have something to look to forward that. to. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, it's funny when I think about the third gardening book, which is already, you know, it's 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 written. It's not out there. Um, when I think about that one being dedicated to you, it just makes me laugh because it's not. <laughs> it's not all at all the kind of thing that is about me. <laughs> but I'm the one who has appreciated and sat in your garden since all you grew was grass seeds. Come on, man. This is true. You might be in for a surprise. This one might be yours. It's <laughs> funny. Seriously, though, guys who are listening, you have if you're looking for a Mom's Day gift that's a little like 
a step above meaningful in terms of like a macaroni necklace. Like if you're looking for something, (laughs) she might actually choose for herself or, and I've become a big fan of this in recent years, is buying Mother's Day gifts for myself, things I want. Like I feel like I'm old enough and experienced enough as a mom now to say, huh, it's Mother's Day. I'm going to need this. Chrissy's (laughs) Chrissy's new book, A Home in Bloom, really is like a gift to yourself. It's sort of like buying pressed flowers because it's a book. And in between the pages of this book are all these incredibly gorgeous, glorious, like soul watering photographs of flowers and gardening and gardens. And then just incredibly meaningful writing, but in small doses. So it's not like a long novel you're sitting down with. You can pick it up with a cup of tea or an iced tea or coffee or in the carpool lane while waiting for kids and kind of dose yourself with some beauty and delight that is easy to consume in short snatches, which is sort of how moms operate on the timeline, I feel like. So that's my plug for it. We have the link in the show notes, but really it's it's just a beautiful book. Every time I hold it, Christy, it brings me joy. I, um, ha- I work in this home office in front of these big, beautiful blue bookshelves my husband and son's built. And Christy's books, their spines are like spine art that I have on my bookshelves behind me in the video that Christy can see right now. I can see them right now. As you started to talk, I was like scanning your shelves, scanning, (laughs) scanning. And I were like, oh, they're right there. Yes, I know. They're just like, they're perfect. I'm waiting for that third one to complete my trilogy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, But I thought today what would be really fun is one of the things people who've been listening for a while know about me is that I love movies. I come from a movie family. My brothers are film producers and directors. I am a person who, when the Lord of the Rings released their 13 hours of behind the scenes Mm -hmm. film documentary footage, I was there for all of it. I mean, who does not (laughs) have two days to just spend watching behind the scenes making of orcs? Like, come on, I want (laughs) to see that. I needed to know that the fight between Boromir and the orc was one that Peter Jackson just could not get the energy to come and meet his editor and like cut that scene. He said it was weighing on him so much. It had been so meaningful to shoot. He didn't know how he could edit it. And his editor said one day the editor just went into the sound editing room by himself without Peter Jackson because Peter Jackson kept putting it off and he just cut it the way he wanted to cut it. And when Peter saw it, he thought, oh, it's it's perfect. I'm so glad. And when I think about that scene, it often makes me think about when you're in your house and you're sorting through old art from your kids or from your childhood or yearbooks, and then you have to decide what to throw away. And it's so emotional, like the emotional weight of these little tiny slips of paper. You almost, I almost wish sometimes that like my dad would just decide, like just throw things out and I wouldn't have to know. So I don't have to have the mm-hmm. emotional parting of ways with <laughs> sentimental things. Anyway, that scene makes me think of that. I mentioned all of this orc torque orc talk, orc talk, (laughs) to come back to the book. Because what is always interesting to me, as not just someone who's in the publishing editorial business, but as a lover of stories, I like the origin story of stories. Like, how did it come about? What were you thinking? Oh my gosh, this photograph of you sitting in your sunroom reading a book 
how did you take that picture since you're in it? Where did you come up with these essay ideas? I have all these questions for Christy, you guys. And I thought it would be fun to do kind of our director's cut here and share a little of the behind the scenes of a book that is both beautiful photography. It's through all four seasons. It's about flower projects you can bring inside. And it isn't your typical writing because it has different essays that are topical from somebody who's already written a book about topical essays and gardening. So I'm curious how you start with fresh ideas, camera angles, putting together <laughs> and deciding the order that things will appear in. I want to know it all. Deep dive us, Christy, behind <laughs> the scenes of A Home in Bloom. Dun, 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 dun. All right, let's do it. And it will be helpful too, just to hear your questions or things you don't you don't understand or that seem mysterious to you or you want to know more about because the truth is when you've been immersed in a project, it can seem sort of self-evident to me, right? Of course, it looks like this. Of course, it has these things. But actually, no, I mean, a million choices were made at every point. And I've, I don't want to say I've forgotten, but I don't, I was immersed in them. So they seem obvious to me. But uh, yeah, it'd be fun to like go back and forth. So in terms of like what order? So this is a four seasons book. I'm trying to remember. So I, at one of the first essays actually is about like why start in autumn? I think part of it was, well, number one, I, I put in the essay, like really you could start a gardening book anywhere, like in any season because the year is a circle, <laughs> you know, so you could, you could begin anywhere. I feel like starting in summer might be the weirdest because now you're starting at like the height of the season when so many, you know, decisions in terms of the garden have already been made. But, you know, you could start in summer too. So um, but I think I decided to start in autumn Part of it is just my perverse interest in being different. So if most gardening <laughs> books start in spring, I will start mine in autumn. <laughs> um, and it may also be, I think that when I really dove deep into the writing of this book, it was autumn. So that season was very present. So that was another reason to do it. Um, I think as well, the previous book, Garden Maker, had focused pretty much only on the flowering season, spring and summer. So again, if now I'm writing about gardening, but I'm looking for a fresh angle, beginning with autumn was certainly fresh because I hadn't really focused on that season in terms of gardening before. So for all those reasons, I started in the fall and moved through there. And then summer just feels like ending at a high point, right? You know, you yeah. want your books to like end on this high and in the garden, summer is you know, oh, that, I like, like mountain that. Summer is like the fireworks, isn't it? It really is right. when you think about mm -hmm. the flowers coming into bloom. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why. And then um, did you ask me about pictures of myself? Is that one? Right. That? Like, so, I mean, famously in the first book, you have a picture. The first book is called Garden Maker. And it's a picture of you on the cover in your garden, gardening. And I think, so start there and just remind people of, I'm, I won't steal your thunder, <laughs> but it's one of my favorite stories because it wasn't necessarily intentional. But I think that was like your first experiment with taking pictures of yourself. Yeah, it's so ironic that that photo ended up on the cover of Garden Maker because I remember that day, I um, I think I had a, no, it wasn't a new tool, but I had to, I had 
forced myself that day. I had stopped procrastinating and I told myself, Christy, um, you have got to learn how to use the sort of remote shutter option on your camera. Mm. So I knew that there was an app. I could connect my big phone, my real, not phone, my real camera to my phone so that I could set it up. And then I could like click a button on my phone to make the camera take the picture, right? And so you so could I knew this see on your phone. And you can see, I could, yeah, like I could look, see on my phone how the shot was framed, That's right? Amazing. How, you know, That's how it was still looking. amazing to me that, that we have that technology. That's yeah, so cool. it's cool. But, you know, it's like learning new things, detailed technological things. I will always procrastinate that. And so I had been procrastinating. And I finally just told myself, Christy, um, get out there. Like before all the flowers fade, just get out there and do it. So um, so I was doing it. I was practicing. I was trying to learn and trying to learn how to like take a shot where you couldn't see that I'm holding the camera and my, my, the phone in my hand, um, all of that. So I was just trying to figure it out. And so I ended up with all these photos of me in the garden, sort of, I don't even know why I, I mean, maybe it's just like you want, I, I realized I needed to show up in these photos, but I didn't, it's hard to like fully show up. I mean, I'm not a I'm not a magazine model. I don't, you know, well, I'm not also, like, just, you don't here's want, my face. <laughs> right. You, and you don't want like a selfie. That's weird. Right. And you don't want to look right. like you're posing for the camera. Right. You want to look. You, I always think about that Instagram account that's so wonderful. And they have many, many, many books, Growing Florette. And in their sort of trademark photograph is always the owner but you don't really see her face. She's always turned away holding this right. giant this, bouquet of yeah. flowers. And looking to the side. Yeah, yeah, looking off to the side. And so that has always been in my mind sort of the ideal way to photograph flowers where the person is there. You know mm -hmm. that they are part of it, but they are not the focus of the it. focus. And right. somehow you accidentally managed to come up with your own trademark. You have to describe <laughs> the picture because I it's one of my favorite stylized ways of thinking about your photography of yourself. And it actually holds true for every picture of you that shows up in the books. Right, right. Yes, I realized Yes, to show the presence of the gardener, here is the garden maker, but of course it's the garden you want to spotlight, so I just bent over and made sure that this big wand of phlox flowers was arching, you know, delicately and totally covering my face. So you can see my sun hat, you can see my garden boots, uh, maybe, you know, in some photos like a you know, I'm holding a spade or whatever, but really what you see are the flowers. And actually, you reminded me there's an echo of that in this book that is totally unintentional. But sometimes that's, that happens when we're making art, when we're, make, we're exercising our creativity. There'll be like these rhymes, these echoes. Sometimes they're intentional, sometimes they're not. But an unintentional echo in this book is a photo of my youngest, of Elsa, in this, in autumn, in this essay about um, dahlias and daughters. Actually, yeah, this book would make a good gift for Mother's Day, wouldn't it? Okay, um, so there's this photo of Elsa, um, and I, I actually describe it in the essay, this memory of her, um, and I won't... I won't give away spoilers, but if you read the essay, you realize like why this day was so meaningful with her. And this in this photo, she's holding one of my cafe au lait dahlias. It's like a dinner plate sized dahlia. So it's enormous. And she's holding it up so that 
it's covering her entire face. So you see her little girl body and her little pink um, dress, but then there's just this big ruffled flower <laughs> for her <laughs> face. So it's kind of like the cover of Garden Maker. Like here, here's the person, here is the human presence, but really look at this flower. Um, but the funny thing about this photo, so I described it in the essay and all along I was thinking, gosh, I wish we could show this photo, but I didn't think we could because I had taken it so long ago um, and I had taken it with an old iPhone. So not with my big camera. I didn't even own a big camera then, I don't think. And it wasn't even a recent like fancy iPhone. Um, it was an old one because uh, this she was only four in the photos. So this was years ago. Um, but when I submitted my photos for the book, I found I found the old file, which that alone was a miracle. And I included it and just said, "Hey, here's this photo. I have no idea if it can work alongside the others because clearly the quality is completely different." But sure enough, it made it into this little montage of um, Dahlia photos. Here, there's three photos on a page. And that makes me so happy mm. that this photo that was meaningful enough to really inspire the essay got to be included um, instead of just described, but I got to share it. I love that. I I do think, though, that interestingly enough, it does continue that theme, I guess, if you think mm-hmm. of it like music, mm-hmm. they talk about themes in music that repeat. But there's a picture of you, my favorite picture of you in this book, this new book, A Home in Bloom, where you're sitting in this little sunroom nook that doesn't quite exist in the same way anymore that maybe it did when you took that picture. And you're reading a book, you're in profile, so you're not looking straight at the camera. Again, it's sort of like a side, right. partially obscured, a little bit in the shadow you're sitting too. But it is such a great, it's like, for me, when I look at that picture, it actually reminds me of the portraits you would see like in great homes or something or by the masters. Like, I feel like it needs one of those titles like lady at home or, you know, <laughs> reader at home or gardener in her books or, you know, like some of those esoteric titles. But I wondered about that one, too. Like if you took it, if you set it up and if you are hiding your phone behind the book somehow, how did you take that one? Yeah, you're right. I'm looking really closely. Like, where was my phone? Oh, yes, yes. I think my phone is tucked into that book. It has to be because both of my hands are there. So right. I'm holding the book, but inside the book is my phone so that I can just hit the hit the button with my hands. I remember that because I, in order to get that photo, I had my tripod set up in the kitchen shooting through that doorway into the little sunroom. But that means now I have blocked like a whole entrance into the kitchen. And I'm never doing any of this alone in the house. I'm always doing this with children running around or, you know, my husband works at home too, so he's around. (laughs) And I can remember this time and numerous times where I set up my tripod in the kitchen and the family like just comes up to the door and is like, oh, sorry, mom, can I I get to the fridge? You know, (laughs) and so this was one of those days where I'm trying to look serene in my chair and hold my book (laughs) and people are coming and going. And I'm always thinking like, just don't knock over the camera, like do whatever you have to do. Just don't knock over the camera. But what made you decide? this one like this spot like did you think ahead of time I gotta get a picture of myself in the sunroom like where did you where did you get that idea from and then did Mm -hmm. you choose a certain time of day on purpose to kind of have yourself in the shadow like that 
Yeah, I think it's it's that visual, you know, I've always been a visual person. And so it's like looking at something. So I was looking at the sunroom. There's a bouquet of flowers there um, that I had placed there. And then visually just seeing how beautiful it was. So the light is beautiful. The colors in there made me happy because I have this old armchair in there that's all um, yeah. upholstered in this pink fabric. And um I, I really like that chair. <laughs> I, love I love that chair too. Yeah. Um, and so the whole thing made me happy. And I thought that's really lovely. But just speaking in terms of the picture of it, there's a big empty space in it, right? If I'm not in there, then the chair is empty and the flowers in there are quite small. It's not as if they fill the image. And so it was just this sense of like, there needs to be something else there. And then also if I'm talking about what it's like to to live, to bring the garden in and to live in a home in bloom, then for me, what that means is creating a place of peace, of rest, a place where we just want to sit and be. And so the image here of me in this chair next to flowers, reading a book is contrived in the sense of it's contrived to get this image, but it's not contrived in the sense of this is actually how I live. <laughs> I love to sit in my favorite pink armchair next to some flowers I just cut and read a book. Like that is actual life. So I thought, well, it's communicating a sense of peace and restfulness while surrounded by beauty, but it's actually depicting something real, a real way I like to live, a real way I hope I'm inviting others to live. Um, and so for all those reasons, it just seemed natural to figure out how to set up that tripod and tuck the phone in my book so I could get a picture of me reading in the little sunroom. But now what I do need to know is, did you pick an outfit that you knew would complement the colors or are you just like, this is what I'm wearing today? Yeah, it's just what I was wearing today. Yeah. <laughs> now, <love> that. <laughs> let me, let me like caveat, if I had been wearing dirty gardening clothes or if I had been wearing if I had still been in my bathrobe, I would have gone and changed. <laughs> right. Describe what you're wearing in the picture. It's very Christy. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's just me, loose, flowy pants, exactly like the ones. Actually, they may, I might be wearing the same pants right now. <laughs> Super comfy, everyday wear, um, easy linen shirt because I love like cotton and linen. You know, I just feel more comfortable in those fabrics. So it's just me, um, my glasses. My hair pulled back. You know what is funny about all these about putting myself into all these gardening books is that the whole project began. Here's the kind of behind the scenes funny thing. The whole project began when the pandemic began. So we shut down and I started taking pictures of the garden. Um, especially that first year, 2020, when no one saw my garden that year, but I was taking all these photos, um, some of which are in this book, A Home in Bloom. And also at the start of the pandemic, our listeners will know well that um, hair salons closed down. So I started the project with a pixie cut <laughs> very quickly. My hair was growing longer and longer. So one of the things that is funny to me, eventually, as you have all three on your shelf, you will be able to trace through the pictures <laughs> of me in the book, just where we are in time in terms of that three-year, like, pandemic, post-pandemic, because my hair is just getting longer and longer. So literally, I can look at this photo and probably guess when I took it just based on the length of my That's hair. too funny. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. I'm also curious on the subject of you 
as the subject in the photos. Has John taken any of them? I feel like maybe there was one or two where you set it up and then had him click it for you. And then why? Why didn't you do it on remote? Yes. So there's some photos maybe in here, but definitely in the in the gardening book to come where I asked Jonathan to do it. Um, Partially, it's because my tripod broke. Oh. (laughs) And I bought a new fancy tripod, which came with a real learning curve. Like I thought, oh, this is great. I will upgrade my tripod. I will have, you know, a stronger one. This will be so great. But I didn't realize that it would take me a while to even figure out how to use it. (laughs) (laughs) So there was a period there where I really needed certain photos. And um, it meant just, I would send Jonathan a text because he works from home. I would text him down in his office and say, if you, whenever you get off the phone, can you just run up, run out here and help me? <laughs> like just, you just got to hit the button, you know, come out here and help me out. So sometimes that happened. Um, sometimes like there was one time I was um, trying to get a photo, like the author photo for the book you see at the back of these books. Um, I don't remember why I didn't take it because I know I had my my old tripod then, but I asked my son Bo to come out and just click the shutter. Um, you know, sometimes, um, yeah, sometimes that just felt easier if somebody else was around because it always remained a little tricky, you know, the app between phone and camera would sometimes disconnect or the connection wouldn't be good. And, you know, there's often little techie issues. So sometimes just inviting a family cool. helper out. That's the thing to do. I like how it's a scrapbook, both like visually, but also as a memory, like of all the moments that make up the book. I am curious then. So when you're taking pictures, can you like, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like when I'm writing and I'm on a deadline for writing and then I have to just like pound it out and like over long hours, like over huge chunks of time with the photos, do you do it that way? Or was it more like sprinkled in like here's one Mm -hmm. or two today? Or were you like, I have three days to get 40 shots. I'm just curious (laughs) what that was like. Yeah, I would sprinkle it in with the caveat that I knew while the garden was growing and flowering was my chance. So, um, and in this book with the four seasons, um, something funny is I knew, you know, I had to get some winter shots. I had to, but we had the super mild winter with almost no snow. And so I would just watch the weather and wait. And if we got even a dusting, I would, I would just run, (laughs) grab my camera and run outside to try to get some photos (laughs) or if we had an icy morning. And so in that sense, with the winter especially um, and some of the fall as well the season is so fleeting that I was just I was waiting for it knowing I needed certain shots and then just running to make it happen when their you know conditions were right but otherwise for flower photos plant photos I would just do it all summer long the, the funny thing there though is you um, you really have to wait for the light so I'm not taking photos all day typically. Some of my interior photos, I could do that, but mostly I'm just waiting for the light. So I'm waiting either for golden hour, which is, you know, kind of right before sunset. 
um, or I'm waiting if I'm trying to get a shot in a certain room, I'm waiting for until the sun is coming in those windows. So a lot of it is sitting around waiting for the light to be correct. Or if we have days of bad weather, I remember there were days where I just felt really frustrated. I felt like I had so many photos I needed to get and wanted to get. And we would just have endless gray skies where it just felt like there was no magic for photography. Um, and so, yeah, it was really weather dependent, season dependent. Um, and then when the moment was right and the light was there, I just had to go for it. Which actually, that's the cover photo too. So the, on the cover, there's this image of some a bunch of flowers I just cut, mostly dahlias, sitting in my kitchen sink, my actual kitchen sink, the light coming in the window. And that wasn't me doing like a book cover photo shoot. It was just me in late summer, early fall. I had cut these flowers. They're in an old Tupperware. Um, I had just kind of chucked them into the kitchen sink. And then I realized that the light coming in the window was so lovely. And I realized, oh my gosh, those flowers are so pretty. Like somehow I hadn't arranged them. I had just dropped them into this Tupperware, but they had different shapes and they had different textures and there was some height and the whole thing was just pretty. So I thought, and always in that moment, it's a decision like, I just, I had other things to do. Do I just keep going? And then to make that decision of like, no, go get the tripod, go get the camera. And and then even to take that extra level of no, put yourself into the photo. So I found this picture and I turned on the water and I tried to like get my hand in the foot, like actually making the effort. I'll be honest, in those moments, I rarely feel like making that effort because it is an effort. Mm-hmm. Um you know, the easy thing is just to go on arranging the flowers, go on about my day, or to take a basic photo. It, it's that extra push of like, no, set up the tripod, connect to your phone, play with the water, like try to huh. do it. And um, thank goodness I did because yeah. it ended up on the cover. Now I want to know, though, what comes first, like the photo or the essays? Do you have in your mind essays you want to write? So you're looking for photos or are you taking photos and then that informs the essays? Yeah. So here, this is something that has been challenging throughout this book project is that ideally I would write all the essays and then I would know like, okay, here's all the photos I need. And then I would go out and take all the photos. But because of the timing um, of when things were due and when I had time to write and the timing of just the seasons here in Pennsylvania, what that meant is I have actually a pretty short window in terms of the whole year, a short window for taking photos. Um, you know, there are months where there's nothing growing <laughs> and I'm, you know, I can't, you know, it's not snowing and there's nothing growing and, you know, no photos are going to happen then. Um, and so what it meant is that I needed to be taking photos even before I had written the essays. But of course, I had a general sense of what the book was about. And I, so I would try to take things that I felt like I would probably write about or I would just try to take a wide range of things, hoping that in this smorgasbord of photos. <laughs> there would be things relevant um, to the essays. And it helps that, you know, my writing is rooted in my home and my place. And of course, all the photos are my home and my place. Um, but that made it challenging. And it's something, it's it's one reason why I'm glad there have been three books in this project. Um, and Home and Bloom, of course, is the second. Because it meant that I got better at this over time, which was really satisfying. Um, 
you know, I, I got better at sort of predicting. I got better at um, remembering that even though, um, you know, we need photos of all kinds of orientations, a lot of the photos in the book are these full page, um, vertical, you know, filling the page orientations. So, you know, by the end of taking photos, I made sure that my favorite photos were those that would work on the full full page. You know, things like I just weren't necessarily obvious to me in the first, you know, go round, but became clear throughout. So it's something I felt like I got better at managing, but it was always a challenge. And there would come those moments, like with this book cover, where we would realize that the photos I had taken purposely for the cover were just not working. Um, and I was the one saying, oh dear, it's not working. <laughs> oh, I was one of the people too. I remember those cover yeah. pictures. And remember, I was like, I feel like they're the beginning of like a horror novel. Like there's yes. something really creepy about to happen in this house because of how this vase and these flowers look. Like there's something in the messaging of the color that is yes. like, death is coming for you. Yes. <laughs> yes. Or one look like, oh, this is going to be like a historical romance novel. Yeah. <laughs> yes, that's so true. But you don't always realize that until it's like they do the mock-up for you and you see it. And then I, and I realize like, oh no, I need a cover image with a lot more life in it. Yeah. Well, at that point, when we made that realization, it was like dead of winter. I remember that. There was no way I could take a photo with a lot of life in it. No way. Yeah. So I, I just had to worried. go and comb through my photos, like, and pray, like, Lord, let there be <laughs> a photo. And then I found this one and I thought it could work. I was a little unsure because. The flowers are sitting in old Tupperware. Like, you can see that my cabinets need repainting. Like, you know, it's got some issues, but um, it ended up working out. So, yeah, that that relationship between image and word over the course of, like, a production schedule was tricky. Yeah. Tricky, yeah. Well, now I do need to know, like, what your favorites are. Like, do you have a favorite photograph? Do you have a favorite essay from this book? Which... A Home in Bloom, guys, is what it's called. If you haven't bought it yet, why? Like, go get it. Treat yourself. <laughs> but I am curious if you do have like an obvious favorite that you tend. And the reason I'll give you some time to think. The reason I say this is that I have in my books, and I don't even have photographs, but I, it's weird. I have certain sections like whether it's like a page and a half like it's a story some part of the book that is my favorite that's my personal like every time I read it I feel pleased that's that came out of me <laughs> like I didn't know it would and I just love it I love it so much and actually one of one of them that is my absolute favorite in my next book that hasn't come out yet my editor were on final final round of edits had left this note saying I really love this story very much I just I does it belong in this book I'm not sure and I literally Literally was like, it does over my dead body. Will this come out? <laughs> even if it's even if you think it doesn't, I don't care. Like, I love the story. It's never leaving this book. So I'm that curious if you have a favorite. Mm, yeah, it is hard to answer. I'll have to think if I have a favorite photo. In terms of the writing, I think my favorite essay, because it's the most personal. Um, is the one I mentioned about daughters and dahlias called Corners of My Home. Um, that's definitely a favorite. But then a little thing I wrote. So you you mentioned that the book has different kinds of writing. There are these projects. There are the, the more personal essays and stories. 
And then there are these little sections where I just talk about the plants. You know, it's called the little heading is plant this. And the idea is, hey, here's a plant that will help you do the thing I'm talking about that will help you achieve, you know. So if you want to bring, if you want to make a wreath in winter, well, then here, here's some things to plant. So it's it's that kind of little section that pops up. And there's one in here that I really love. And I, I'm convinced that people will just skim past it. Like it won't draw their attention. There's no flashy photo on that page. The title might be obscure for people, but it's one of those little secret delightful things that just makes me happy. Oh, <laughs> so, I love Oh, good, good. Tell us. It's Plant This on page 122, and the title is Crocus Lawns and Other Poetic Conceits. And this little mini essay, which is basically encouraging people to plant like flowery, like little flowers that pop up in your lawn grass. Mm. So whether it's crocus or, you know, something else, but that that's really what this is about. So plant this, but it's so me in that I kind of move from like unicorns to um, medieval literature about um, gardens, like in the Decameron. It's so it's literary, it's sort of, it's just quirky, and it's at the end of the day all about planting something very unessential and um, not needed, like little flowers that will just pop up in your grass. A thousand kinds of flowers. I'm actually mm. wondering if there's a, a bit of it I should read. I'll you, just read the, should. the first little part. True meadows are the unicorns of the gardening world. Incredibly special and beautiful, but also exceedingly rare. In practice, most grasses are much more robust than wildflowers, and unless the soil is quite lean and parched, grasses will grow and romp and generally crowd out the more delicate flowers. Growing our own meadow is a challenging proposition, despite what the instructions on those wildflower meadow seed mixes say. But growing our own flowery mead, like the one seen in the famous late medieval tapestry, The Unicorn Rests in a Garden, is a much more attainable proposition. So then I go on to talk about flowery meads, which were a big deal in medieval Europe, and the literature that was written about them, and then the kinds of bulbs I plant. And then I say, let's see, when the bulbs flower... uh, Let's see. If we add bulbs to our mead each fall, we might indeed grow a thousand little gems of gold and purple. It is easy to believe in unicorns with such treasure underfoot. So that is my favorite little quirky nonsense bit in the book that I'm convinced no one else has even read yet. But it's there. You can go find it. (laughs) That's such a great bow to wrap up this episode. So I really (laughs) hope if you're listening and you have a mom or a daughter or a grandma or a sister that you think would just love some magic in her ordinary days. Um, And it's the most ordinary kind of magic because it's accessible to all of us. Like that's the beauty of flowers and plants and gardens and unicorn bulbs. I really hope you'll pick up a copy. It's called A Home in Bloom, Four Seasons of Enchantment in Four Seasons of Enchantment, is that right? In the garden? Four Enchanted Seasons with Flowers. Oh, wow, that was a bad fail on my part. <laughs> <laughs> you got the main words right. That's all that counts. I can never remember my own subtitles. <laughs> all I heard about was the enchantment part, because that's the magic of it. <laughs> yep. <laughs> 
But um, we hope that that's something you might slip into an Amazon cart or pick up at a store somewhere and wrap it up with some twine and a packet of seeds. Like what a great gift that would be for Mother's Day. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Lisa Joe. It is a it is I feel very honored and loved and appreciated because you cared enough about this book of mine to want to know more about it and the behind the scenes that um, it's like the biggest compliment. So thank you, friend. I I feel like I got a tour director's cut. It was awesome. See how I played the pun on cut? <laughs> right. And it didn't take 13 hours either. I appreciate that. 